Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week one, day one of our study of Joshua. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Joshua 1, 1 through 9. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study, and again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to remember to read Joshua 10 times in the next 10 weeks. This really will transform the way that you encounter God and His Word. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your Word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more. We want to encounter you through your Word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's go ahead and jump into God's Word to be reading today from the NIV. This is Joshua 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses." Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. All right, I want to pause right there just for a minute. I've got a map that I want to go through. I think in this study, it's going to be a lot easier to show you, especially for those of you on video, to show you exactly what's going on. For those of you that are listening, I am going to be posting these maps on the website. So you can go to 10weekbible.com slash Joshua and find the maps that I'm drawing on here and, and kind of check out what's going on. This is going to be, Joshua, what, what's happening here? This is a very geography-intensive book. And so as you're reading through the book of Joshua, it's going to be challenging to make sense of exactly what's going on. You can get the stories, you can get the storyline, but it really does make a lot more sense if you can see where they're going and and just how the geography plays into this. And so I've got a whole bunch of maps pulled up for this study that I've, I've created, and we're going to go through those. And again, if you're just listening, then you know you can go and look up those maps later. Please don't try and look them up in the car as you're driving. And if you've never checked out the YouTube channel, uh, I'm filming every single one of these. They're posted to YouTube. You can go and check that out and the maps will be live. So before we jump into this, I want to backtrack just a little bit and lay the foundation for what's been going on. So for that, we're going to jump into our map of the Exodus. And so what we have right here is we have uh, the Exodus from Egypt. This is where God's people have have come out of Egypt and and left and we're getting ready to go into the promised land. The beginning of Joshua is they're literally standing on the east side of the Jordan River and they're about to cross. And so as some background, let's go ahead and look where they were. The land of Goshen is somewhere up here in northern Egypt. 
Now, I don't say too many things with great emphasis when it comes to the, you know, exactly on debatable matters. I'll say that I'm, I try to be as, as even handed to different viewpoints when it comes to debatable matters, but this issue of where the Exodus took place, I am so confident that that I can be relatively emphatic about this. Almost every one of your Bible maps is wrong when it comes to the route of the Exodus. And this, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. But it does matter a little bit when we're talking about the route that they've taken, the people groups that they're interacting with, and how this works. So, most maps say that this is the Sinai Peninsula right here, this triangle uh, and again, if you're listening, you can kind of picture the Sinai Peninsula. This is a misnomer. This is not actually where Mount Sinai is. Uh, where the people left, they wandered, or they didn't wander, they actually ran through what we call the Sinai Peninsula, and they end up in a, a beach that we call Nueva now. And this is where they actually crossed the Red Sea. In ancient times, all three of these bodies of water were considered the Red Sea. And so all of the bodies of water around Egypt and Sinai were considered the Red Sea. So they cross at Nueva. They end up at Mount Sinai, which is actually in, in modern Saudi Arabia on the Arabian Peninsula. This is, by the way, the land of Midian. And so this is where Moses goes for 40 years after he leaves Egypt. This is where he meets his wife, his father-in-law Jethro is a Midianite down here. So this is the land of Midian. This is where Mount Sinai is. It's called Jebel El-Laws today. This mountain has been protected by the people of Arabia for generations. They call it uh, colloquially, locally, they call it Mount Mose. Which or Mount Musa or Jebel Musa actually, and it, some of them call it that. The the locals, and so that's the mountain of Moses. This is the actual Mount Sinai. The reason that people think that Mount Sinai is in the Sinai Peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula was called that because uh, in the third fourth century A.D. Um, and there's a long story. We've talked about it in our, our study of the book of Exodus. I'm not going to go into too much of that, but it, it essentially was just mislocated and people have not looked at the biblical evidence. They've just gone with tradition where people have thought Mount Sinai was located for 1600 years. And again, it's not based on any biblical evidence. It's based on tradition where people locate Mount Sinai. All right, with that, so we go from Midian and then they wander in the desert here all along the Arabian and uh, Peninsula and then up into what we would call the country of Jordan today. This is where they wander for another 40 years. So, right, Moses's life was 40 years in Egypt as essentially a prince in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, and then 40 years wandering the desert. And he's just died. He's been, the Lord has allowed him at the end of the book of Deuteronomy to go up and look into the land, but not go into it. And so now Moses has died. And now it's time for Joshua to take the people into the land. And the Lord is commanding him to be strong and courageous. 
And this is a really important point, right? I think a lot of times there's this idea that we need to, to lean on the Lord and he's going to get us through every single thing. And there are certainly times where the Lord has said in scripture, hey, just sit back and watch my deliverance for you. Just watch what I'm going to do. Those are things that the Lord has definitely done. They've definitely happened. But that we, we can't say that that's the only way that the Lord works. That's not the only way that the Lord works sometimes. Here, God is telling Joshua, he's giving this command over and over here in chapter one, be strong and courageous, right? Don't shrink back. There's a lot of fighting that you're going to have to do. So this is also sometimes, this is the way that the Lord would have us live our life. Sometimes we have to rise to the occasion, instead of what we would want to do is shrink back and not do anything. So sometimes the Lord wants us to sit back and rest and watch the deliverance that he's going to bring about. Sometimes he wants us actively involved. He wants us engaged in the struggle, engaged in the battle. There is no one size fits all answer from scripture. There's multiple different times in scripture where the Lord gives multiple different commands based on the situation. And the same can be true in our lives where we need to have a, an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, where he is guiding and leading us in our lives to know what to do at the different points in our lives. Some people say that, you know, the, the Bible is the, the guidebook for life. And in some ways it absolutely is. We have to know these kinds of stories, but the Bible is this bedrock. It guides us because we know when we study and we read it, that there's multiple different ways that the Lord encourages us and commands us to behave and walk and act in different situations. And what we see here, again, is, is evidence of that. And even in the book of Joshua, there's going to be times where the Lord commands them to go do something. And there's times where he's like, don't do anything. Um, just sit back and watch. And so all of those kinds of things are going to take place in Joshua. They took place in Judges, and we've already studied through that. And so we have to have this active, engaged life with the Holy Spirit. We do that through reading his word, through filling our mind and our heart with it. But we also do that through having a life of prayer where we're communicating daily, regularly with the Holy Spirit so that we know that he's leading and guiding us in, in our life so we know what to do. All right, back to God's word. Let's continue on with verse seven. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the Lord here again he is reiterating this over and over again. Be strong and courageous. Now, if the Lord is going to say something this many times, the Lord is going to emphasize something this many times, that is both really exciting, encouraging, and also terrifying. Joshua has got to be really excited, really encouraged that the Lord is promising, I'm going to be with you. You meditate on God's word day and night. And I'm going to be with you. Do everything in this law that I've given you. And I'm going to be with you. But be strong and courageous. Right? So it's it's exciting that the Lord is saying he's going to be with him. 
He's going to, to lead and guide them. No one is going to stand against them. The Lord is saying, Joshua, none of these people, right? Remember, and remember Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two spies who went into the land and said, we can do this, right? They believed that God could give them the land. All the rest of the, the other 10 spies are like, these people are too big and scary and terrifying. We can't do this. And, and so Joshua and Caleb are the only two that actually get to live long enough to actually see the promised land out of this generation of people. And so Joshua, right, he has already decided that I'm, I'm in, but the Lord is reminding him to be strong and courageous. And again, when the Lord has to remind you this many times of something, when he has to give you this much advance notice, it's probably because it's going to be very hard. It's going to be difficult. In this campaign, what Joshua is going to do over the next several years is going to be very challenging. It's going to be very hard. Joshua is already 80-ish, 70, 80, somewhere in there. He was over 20 years old when they came out of Egypt. And so now he's quite a bit older. By the time he's done fighting, he's going to be in his 80s or he's going to be exactly 80. Uh, so he is already an old man and he's having to lead these campaigns as their leader, as their general. And so this is this is going to be tough. This is really going to be tough and, and not just physically demanding, which it will be. It's going to be mentally demanding. There's going to be all of these different I mean, he's still got the same group of people, right, that just gave Moses headache after headache after headache. They're still the same people. They're, they're, they're you know, next generation, the children of most of the people that were in the desert. But he's still got to contend with them in the midst of all of the fight. So he's got the Canaanites to deal with, and he's got all of these just different uh, things weighing on him. And we will see how that plays out through the book of Joshua. I think I want to con- conclude our, our our opening day here in the book of Joshua with just how important I think it is for us to, like it says here, to fill our mind with God's word, to meditate on it day and night. The whole purpose behind the 10-week Bible study, the reason that I chose 10 weeks, the, the reason that I encourage you to read the entire book of Joshua once a week is because when I started doing that with books of the Bible, it it changed how I encounter scripture. And in Psalm 1, David tells us that if we meditate on God's word day and night, we'll be counted with the righteous. And if we don't meditate on God's word day and night, we'll probably be counted with the wicked. And when I read that one day, I thought, wait a second, I don't know how to meditate on God's word day and night. I don't know how to do that. And it wasn't until... I started reading the Bible like this, where I started filling my mind with such a quantity of scripture that it became one of the preoccupying and preeminent things that's rattling around inside my head. And what I noticed when I started reading, and I started this with the book of Revelation, I read it twice a week for one year straight, and then once a week for the next two years. And so I had so much of the book of Revelation rattling around inside my head. It was the first thing that I always thought about when I was drifting off to sleep or when I came up to a stoplight and I found that I was accidentally meditating on it literally day and night. It was the thing that I thought about almost all the time. And so as we fill our mind with God's word more and more and more, 
it will become the preeminent thing that we think about. Now, it's not the only thing. Obviously, we've got our work, we've got our jobs, we've got our families, we've got just all the different things that we juggle. And so it's not ever going to be the only thing that you think about. But if you fill your mind with it enough, and I think that reading the book of Joshua once a week for 10 weeks, you really will start to get it in you and it will start to become, if not the preeminent thing, one of the preeminent things that you think about when you have those spare moments and it will, you'll start to meditate on it on accident. Exactly what we're commanded to do in Psalm 1 and exactly what God is commanding Joshua to do here, meditate on God's word day and night and then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll be successful then we can know through God's word, through our relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we're supposed to be strong and courageous and fight, when we're supposed to sit back and watch the deliverance of the Lord, when we're supposed to press in in prayer, when we're supposed to act and do something, right? We need to to have that active and thriving relationship with God. And it all starts with the foundation of meditating on God's word day and night. And we meditate on his word day and night by filling our mind with his word. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.